When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey, it's the podcast guy. SuddenlyValleyTalk.com podcast. It's the Sutton Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sutton United Talk Time on podcast. It's the Sutton Podcast in association with Lucky Star Gin. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me on the panel today, we've got Johnny and Dan. In this episode, we're going to be covering what cannot be called the full Barrow experience, because I stupidly used that title last week, um, but it was the full Barrow experience, I believe. Um, and we're going to look forward to Tuesday Under the Lights uh, visit from Gillingham. As always, your engagement is important. Please join discussions, stay connected, share, like, comment all, all the normal stuff on social media um, follow us at Sutton Podcast and just let us know what you think of them. We're going to dive in we're going to say hello to Johnny it was mid-March and Barrow since we last spoke <laughs> so um, been up to anything interesting in the last sort of six months or so Johnny? Yeah, it's, it's funny that it was Barrow last time we spoke. It's always the, the game where we're short of away fans, isn't it? You've got <laughs> one of the real shadows that goes to come on. So, yeah, always here to help. <laughs> you say that, and I think the first time we spoke, way back in when I first started all this, it was you were one of the 13 that went to Barrow. Yeah. Significantly more yesterday. Almost yeah. eight times as many. Yeah, yeah, the, it was. I think the, the first away game of the season thing helped out. They, they've actually done the away end up a little bit now, Barrow, which is nice. You can see, um, you can actually see both goals, um, which is a, a bonus. Having travelled for 
seven eight hours or whatever it is each way to get there so it always helps um yeah it's uh it's one of those every year oh, i'm never going back gets, gets back around again and yeah two weeks before the game booking trains up 70 quid yeah here we go again sort of thing and i'm 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 certain it will happen again next season so I'll, i'm sure I'll, I'll speak to you again after barrow away next season as well mike yeah, well, that nicely segues me into never going to Barrow ever again. Dan, hello, how are you? <laughs> never going to Barrow again. And now that I know that Johnny's not the man for this, he, he can do this one next year as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm through so with that. I, it did, did make me laugh as soon as the pictures come out and I'm looking going, Barrow away, yeah. first trip. Oh, dear. <laughs> so. oh, Stitch me right up. There was two places I said I wasn't going to this season. One was Barrow, the other was Milton Keynes. First away game, last away game. It's marvellous. The, no, the two, if you travel, the two that you can't really miss over a season as well. Oh, so, yeah, someone, someone, someone at EFL headquarters decided they were going to have a wind-up at my expense. And is there going to be a blog? Uh, Frakey's should be knocking something up. Um, I'd penciled something in to maybe do it as the first away game, but he volunteered, yeah. so I was like, saves me Excellent. yeah absolutely absolutely um and writing sorry johnny i meant to say been up to anything interesting and i know you yeah. have to something very interesting in the last yeah I'll, I'll get it in get the plug in nice and early so yeah my book comes out um 28th of august um it's about mental health and football um so it's kind of based off my own experiences um struggling with my mental health as a teenager but not knowing that i was because i didn't know what mental health was trying to raise awareness about mental health through football um, see, so yeah, it comes out at the end of the month. I've been working on it for over three years. Um, so it's building up, hopefully, to a nice crescendo. Um, nothing's confirmed yet, but there should be a launch at Sutton at the Forest Green game. So just keep an eye out on the socials for that. Um, that would, in theory, be at the fan zone before the game. Um, not directly Sutton-related, the book, like Six Out of Minutes mm-hmm. was, um, but I've made sure that I've, I've name-dropped the club plenty of times in there. So there's something for the dedicated Sutton followers as, as well as the, the people who just want to, I guess, learn a little bit more about uh, mental health and through football and, and, and the football world in general. It's, it's comprehensive. It's 110,000 words or something. Um, a lot of research went into it across the, the three years, as you can imagine. So hopefully it's, um, it's a bit of an eye-opener for everyone. Well, I might have to cancel it, Amazon, then, because if it's going to be at the club, I'll, I'll, I'll do it there instead. Because they've just pushed it back as well, Amazon. I think they come back and go, oh, it'll be second of December. I was like, Excuse me. Oh, really? That's <laughs> news to me. How rude is that? Um, but I subtly cut. I uh, subtly plugged it the other day too when I spoke to Matt as well. I don't know if anyone noticed. It was very, very subtle, <laughs> gentle. <laughs> um, but no, that that really sounds good. And I, I saw some of the previews of it, and um, I was that's why I went off to order it on Amazon straight away. Um, Thank you. Excellent. Well, a couple of uh, club moves. We've got the academy side had another good win yesterday, and the ladies' team starts again at home against Millwall. I think it is next week. And a little reminder to some people who, who will be interested: the supporters coach to Newport. The details are on the forum, and obviously, someone's mentioned there's a train strike next week. I think so. Um, anyone who would normally get the train might want to make other plans. Um, I think it's thirty quid, but. Go and see them at the hub and they'll obviously give you all the details. Okay. Bloody Barrow. Um, the pre-match predictions, over 75% of the people who put predictions in went for a Sutton win. Not entirely sure what confidence that was all about. 
Um, but how were you feeling before the match, guys? Um, Johnny, there's no Cashgate, no O'Brien, Hish, Arnold, Jackson, or Hart. What were your kind of thoughts at the lineup um, ahead of kickoff? Um, I, I was confident as as far as as having eleven players. <laughs> um, I, I think the the big loss when we were trying to work out who the missing player would be. Um, I was thinking that the biggest loss would probably be Smith, the way we played, um, or whether we've been playing. Sorry, this season. So quite direct. He, he's winning the headers. He's creating chances. He's scoring goals as well. So I saw the lineup and thought, great, Smith's around. Um, we'll be fine. Um, <laughs> within twelve minutes, obviously uh, it. it typically would be Smith and then get sent off. Uh, missing for three games now, of course. Um, and we're left to, to play with 10 men for the rest of it. Um, mm. I think we, we did we did all right um, with, with 10 men without ever really yeah. having an outlet that, that Smith provides. We, we clear the ball and it just comes straight back to us. Yeah. I looked at the well, possession stats, it was something like 78% barrel. Yeah. And the, yeah, that was, that was kind of the the pattern of play um, got the goal against the run of play from literally nothing. It was just Liango rubbing the ball from a centre-back and it was the only way we were ever going to score, really. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, it's just a shame we couldn't quite hang on in the end. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll come into details again, but Dan, what we all... I mean, who did you think was missing at the start? Because I, I Harry and a few others were putting up um, lives of the players at the hotel the night before and I was sitting there looking around the table going, well, it's not play, it's the team, not Harry. Um, what, what did you think ahead of kickoff? Um, I think someone guessed that O'Brien probably wouldn't be available because uh, he was hobbling a little bit on Tuesday uh, just before the end. So we guessed he might not be involved. Um, we were surprised to see Hashcat not about because he was bombing around like a lunatic at the end, last 10 minutes against um, against Cambridge on the Tuesday. So we're a bit surprised seeing him not there. But I think overall, we no one was worried when we saw the lineup. Um, probably thought we might be a little bit lacking in a bit of depth off the bench. But, yeah, I think, same as Johnny, confident that we could get something. And um, I don't think we started particularly badly. Uh, but, yeah, the, the as, as as it seems to be on these bloody long away Saturdays, we always seem to get a stupid red card in the first half and then end up clinging on for 60, 75 minutes um, and not quite seeing it through. <laughs> Obviously, the red card's a major talking point. Um, no one at the time seemed to really know what was going on. Um, I know, Dan, you, you were desperately going, no one seems to know what that was for. Um, I mean, you, all we saw was their player just rolling around on the floor like they do these days with his arm in the air, like he'd, you know, he'd been on the end of a full-blooded leg breaker. Yeah. Um, and the game carried on. Everyone went, oh, whatever, mate, and watch. And Harry ended up actually having a shot. Mm. And it was only then, after once the ball had gone dead, that obviously the the ref got his, the chirp in his ear from the fourth, and and that was the red card. So, no, not many. I don't. I don't think anyone really saw what happened. To be honest, yeah, the other thing from like watching the replay and watching it back is Harry kind of then turned round to the ref, Johnny, and he was he was demonstrating the stamp. So it was as if. Mm-hmm. He was saying someone was stamped on. I'm like, well, why? You wouldn't be saying to the ref, you are stamped on him, mate. Um, but well, I, I mean, what did you think at the time? But if... Yeah, same as that. I mean, we, we didn't really, no one saw anything at the time. The, the game went on, the game went on for a good 30 seconds um, mm. before the ball then went dead. We were saying in the stand, what if the shot had gone in? We scored a goal, run back to the centre, and then he gets sent off. I mean, he didn't give a foul, the ref. Um, it was a, the red card, and then I think he restarted with a drop ball. 
I mean, he was obviously absolutely clueless. The referee had no idea. Um, I don't think the linesman, either the linesman saw it, they didn't see much all afternoon. Um, so it's, it's been given effectively by the fourth official. I don't know why she waited or if she did wait to, to say what she'd seen. I mean, no one really in the stand seemed to see it. There doesn't seem to be a, a concrete um, testimony from anyone, if you like. I mean, the only thing my my flatmate watched the highlights and he's nothing doesn't support Sutton doesn't support Barrow. He said Smith looked guilty as he walked off. He didn't um, kind of throw his arms around and complain. And it's probably the only clue. I guess we'll never know. It's yeah. one of those where, where only only Harry or the the Barrow player will really know what happened, and it's just typical that we've come off the wrong end of it. It's it's always up north. It's, it always seems to happen up when we yeah, like Dan says, when you made a long journey. There there was someone who said it. It looked like the two players got their laces trapped together, their boots trapped together, and they were fighting to get free. And then Smith got free, and his foot went down on the player. Delivery, who knows? Heavily, yes. Um, and obviously, he's a big bloke. So if he's going to stand, if he's going to stand on your ankle, whether it's a stand or standing on it, it's going to hurt. Um, but what I found interesting, as you've both mentioned, it was the fourth official who we've had this a couple of times where the fourth official get involved, mm. and yet. When our bench turned to the fourth official to ask or say, "Well, what about that?" We're always told we're not we're not refing the game. It's, it's nothing to do with us. So it's either one or the other, really. Surely. Yeah, mm. they seem quite happy to poke the oar in um, at, at times on certain matters. I mean, I think that's about the fourth red card we've had off the say so of a fourth <laughs> official, and I think the others have all been rescinded, which just all shows right. you that. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> If the refs missed it and you've seen it, the, because the, the thing was she she did the same second half as well with um, it was a blatant foul right in front of the ref on halfway as they were breaking, and it left you know it led to them breaking on goal, and then he obviously clearly got a chirp in the ear from from the fourth because neither the linesman flagged or anything, so he clearly got another chirp saying that's definitely a, you know you missed that, and mm. he, he stopped the game and pulled it back for a free kick so. Mm. If they're turning around and talking, telling people like Matt, "Oh, we're not refing the game," well, it's clearly bollocks. Yeah. They are, they are, they, they are involved. And if they, if they're yeah. going to be involved, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But if, if you're balanced, it, it it sounds a bit. That sounds a bit to me that they just they're saying that to stop the benches getting on the case. But they're they're clearly yeah. involved. Yeah, I think for her to have given a decision, she she should be absolutely one hundred percent sure. And the ones we had in the past, I remember Jamie Collins being sent off against Bromley when we lost three mm. at home to them when the fourth official stepped in. It was just the most ridiculous thing. I mean, it, he like stepped over a player and the fourth official thinks he's seen something. It, you might think you've seen something. And if it's a, a battle between two players, you, you're likely to see something, interpret it one way or the other. But you, you have to be absolutely sure to give that a red card. It just completely ruins the game. And it, from like what you were saying, Mike, about um, Harry's gesture of of the stamp it sounds like he thinks it should have maybe been given the other way i mean it, it, can she be that sure really in that situation yeah. if no one else is that sure i mean it, it it seems it's a it seems a very questionable one to me without obviously having seen it myself but yeah there we go yeah. well the the issue with the um if they appeal it it's not going to be rescinded because there was nothing actually caught on camera the camera followed the ball and you didn't actually see what happened so we would really struggle to to do anything there i think um, I think yeah. one of the guys was saying on the train home last night that there's most clubs have a, a wide angle set up that they use right. for, they use for analysis. Um, 
So we apparently we are thinking we're probably going to ask for that, but they don't have to give that to us because it's their footage. Right. So oh, okay. so that they, if that that might show something, but then again, as it's a wide angle and it's showing the whole pitch, you might, you might have these tiny little because I'm just <laughs> not be able to see things. So yeah, well, on the questions, I've had lots of people sort of mention obviously this. Um, one or a theme a couple of people saying is has he let the club down? Well, we don't even know what. Well, if it was really for a stamp, do we? I mean, I mean, there was a lot of people slagging him off on Facebook, saying he's a liability and mm. all the rest of it. I think it's a bit much. It's football. I mean, everyone, the human beings, it happens. Yeah, it's disappointing. If he had, if it, if it's a, let's assume it's a, it is a, a straight card that he, you know they did see him stamp on the player. All right, he's got the red and he's missing for three games. That's that's down to Mac and the guys to sort out now and mm -hmm. try and impress upon people like him that you you're a huge part of what we're trying to do this season. Mm -hmm. So you, you've got to you know you've got to keep your head. You've got to be mindful now that people like the fourth official are there, despite what they say, they're there and going to poke the roar in. So mm -hmm. you've got to be mindful of how you're conducting yourself off the ball. Um, and yeah, we can't be going to places like Barrow. And be down to 10 men after 15 minutes. It's just because it's a tough place to go anyway because of conditions and they're not a bad side. You know, that you're already up against it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's a bit harsh on the guy. He scored two and two and he's been great so far. So, I think he deserves a bit of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, well, I, I think I worked out that if, if he continues it, he'll be, uh, He'll be banned for a total of, he'll get five red cards, banned for a total of 25 games, and he'll score 12 goals. So, uh, our top goal scorer ever in league football. So, it's still worked that's out good, fine. That's a, that's a good rate for us. <laughs> but, Johnny, someone pointed out that had we hung on for that win or even a draw, people probably wouldn't have been talking about it so much. Um, so, it is yeah. that kind of fickle, fickle fans business, isn't it? Yeah, you're always going to get it. I mean, it, I mean, if he, if he is. Guilty, he did do it. I mean, we don't even know that, right? I mean, I think you can say he's let the club out. You don't even know what he's done. I mean, no one's not one's sure. So there's that. Um, if he if he has done it, I mean, you certainly couldn't say that. I mean, he, he's he's let his teammates down if he's done it, and I think he's let the fans down in a way if he's done it. Sure, like we we would have been in a good position. I think if we played that game of eleven players, they didn't look that good. Bar I think we could have won the game. But yeah, like Dan says, this football it happens. Um, people do stupid shit <laughs> um like you you if he's been poked and grabbed by the barrow player like the um someone was saying on amber planet i think and, and it's a rush of blood to the head i mean you see it with lauren james at the women's world cup kind of moment of madness and she's now out for the semi-final and i mean how she must have felt like you, people do things in the heat of the moment and regret them so i'm certainly not going to be piling on and slagging him off and holding it against him I think the the issue we had one of the issues we had last season was um, Omar Bugil as much as he was a big part of the way we played you, you kind of knew every single season at least once he would do something utterly brainless and get sent off um, mm -hmm. we'd have to play with 10 men for a while I remember it woken in the National League title season just the most pointless elbow um, to get sent off the, the Stockport one in the first three minutes of last season still don't think it was a red card but he doesn't need to make the challenge to, to mm -hmm. the referee an opportunity to send him off three minutes into the game and now we, we signed someone else and we're, we're hoping well okay well we've got a new striker and hopefully it's not going to be you know we, we won't have this problem and then whichever way you, you want to look at it he, he has been 
sent off three games into the new season. So it's just hoping we don't have a repeat of that now. But if he learns from it, doesn't do it again, assuming that he did something in the first place. And I, I don't think there's a, a wider issue. And I, I think, say, when he comes back into the team, if he starts scoring goals again, people will forget about it. Yeah. Well, talking of the pylon, um, obviously I made much light and joy of the fact he waved a player off. And um, one of their players, in, I, I didn't think it was the same thing. It, they waved him off, but to his back. I was like, that's not, that's not as brave. That's not as funny. Um, so it was like, he's a big lad, right? Yeah, I know. But if you're going to do it, don't kind of <laughs> just hope for the best. Um, but yeah, lots of Notts County fans are very delighted with the fact he got um, sent off. Not surprised. Um, no, so much so that they keep coming on and mentioning it on all sorts of channels. Like, okay, get over it. It was a week ago. Um, as you mentioned, it was a bit of a battle at that point. Um, Lee Angle, people saying it's his best game for us. Good, good goal, good battling goal. Um, do you agree, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, I remember quite soon after he signed him, he played up at Hartlepool away and was excellent. Um, I think, did we have a man sent off in that game as well? Yeah, he's yeah. been yeah. up two guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for an hour. Yeah, yeah. So he, he played he played pretty well there as well. Um, looks really lively, um, like playing with, with another striker, which helps. Um, and yeah, he did very well in in tough circumstances. Um, like the goal was all him. Like it was just robbing a defender and scoring completely out of nothing. Um, nearly had a second in the second half with what was basically a second chance of the game. Um, just competed well, held the ball up. Um, I think when Tope came on for him, he struggled. It wasn't Tope's game really. Tope needs no. to be getting off another striker. He needs to be running through, pressuring defenders, and it, he's not a hold up player. And just really struggled. It, it was noticeable after we made that sub that we, we just got handed the cost a little bit more. See, he did do very well. Lee. He's going to get around in the team now. Um, mm-hmm. we're kind of counting the bodies for the rest of the strikers, aren't we? O'Brien, Cashkett, Smith's out. Don't know what Casemiro was. Um, so he'll, he'll get the chance to prove himself. And we, when we've got seven, eight strikers in the squad, it's, it's never going to be easy. But he's yeah, certainly um, certainly helped himself with his performance yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, your thoughts on Lee, was it? Yeah, he, he, he <coughs> you know, he hadn't, shown, you know, well, obviously it was so early in the game, you hadn't seen much of him prior to the red card, but I thought he led the line superbly on his own, battled, chased, harried, just caused them, you know, tried to unsettle their, their back line when they had the ball as much as he could, held up, brought others in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and obviously it was on the spot when, when the defender made the mistake and he could rob him and, and score, so... Yeah, by the end, he was knackered. He, he was absolutely shattered with sort of 20 minutes ago, 20, 15, 20 ago when we brought him off. Um, so, yeah, he'd run his, run his course. So, yeah, he, as Johnny yeah. says, he should now get a good run in the side, hopefully, um, and add a few more goals. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there were chances. We could have we could have nabbed a second. Um, I think Lee had a very good chance and he hit side netting. Um, I mean, do you, do you want to talk through the goals? But, yeah, we conceded two goals. Uh, we can rip past then. Um, but um, what were your thoughts on the first? Did you know the second was coming? Yeah, <laughs> we, we we said in this we said in this down if they if they well I'm a natural pessimist to be honest. But we so if they score one, they're just going to keep the, the game will be much the same. Other than we'll have lost a bit of I guess mental resolve if you like. We'll, the bubble will have burst a bit. The, the feeling of invincibility of whatever happens will 
we'll keep them out. I mean, they'd had a few good chances that before then. They weren't massively putting us under pressure, but Jack had made a few decent saves. Ben, uh, ben Goodliffe made a few good blocks. And it, you felt like a goal was coming. And if they got one, they, they were going to keep pressing. We were never going to come back and try and get a winner ourselves. We were still hanging on. Um, and yeah, two poor goals to concede, really. I mean, I haven't watched them back. I think Jack will probably hold his hand up for the first one because the bloke was pretty much on the byline. I don't know if he was expecting a cross, Jack Rose, and came mm-hmm. off his line to anticipate that and, and got done. And the, the second goal, we just let them go through the, the middle a bit. We just looked tired, I think. And it, it's, it's kind of understandable, more the second one. It's just, we just looked for peas, mentally broken a little bit by the first goal. And yeah, I don't think anyone was surprised when they, when they got the second. Were you surprised how quick it was, Dan? Um, a little bit. I mean, the, first, the the problem was I thought we defended really well. Like Johnny said, they'd had a couple of moments, but I don't think they'd created... It wasn't like we were being, you know, Jack's goal was being bombarded. It wasn't like, oh, it's any time now they're going to equalise. It was we, we, we were holding our own and defending really well. Um, and then Joe gave the ball away with a bit of a loose pass on the halfway line as we, on one of the rarer times we pushed up. And one ball... The guy was in behind, and like Johnny said, I don't know. I think Jack might have got caught out a bit with the with the finish. After that, it was like, okay, look, let's let's go again. Um, I, I noticed that when we're defending leads, we do tend to sit quite deep. And the problem is, is if you sit really, the, the you the deeper you get, the the easier it is to bypass like lines of players like they did for the second goal because it was one little threaded pass through the middle. Uh, sent it back and switched off, let him go, and he just had a run into space behind. So, yeah, it was disappointing. I was hoping that we would at least dig in, and with with as late as the equaliser came, I was hoping we'd at least dig in and get get try and still get the point, but wasn't the be unfortunately. Well, Matt's interview is obviously frustrated, um, but he said he was quite pleased with the defensive organisation. Um, did it feel a little bit different? Two other games where we've got a man down. Did um because I remember when Donovan got sent off against Salford, it came up, uh oh. Um we knew what was gonna come. Did did it seem inevitable or oh I said it, or did it or did it um did you think actually we could get something? So many games have been down to, to ten, aren't there? Well you can <laughs> kind of compare. I think the the Stockport game last season uh, it was almost easier because we just we we knew we'd kind of we were gonna lose from very early on. We could just get it over with and back to the pub um got our hopes up a little bit uh yesterday i thought it was almost harder to take <laughs> yeah we, we i thought we, we 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 did seem to like your experience know how to deal with it we, we we had a plan um like we defended well we executed that plan pretty well and um, just ran out of legs um I'm trying to think of all the other games that we haven't had a man sent off now Hartlepool was very different because we were so in control and lost it from two up Salford, I think, was similar more to the Hartlepool game. The, the, the direct comparison is the Stockport game last season, isn't it? Where we've had a Manson off striker in the mm-hmm. first 10 minutes before the game's really started. And it's just, can you completely change, like Matt said in his interview, completely change everything you've planned and everything you've worked out and, yeah, see if you can still get something from it. And at this time, we nearly did. Um, yeah, unlike that Stockport game where it was uh, easier to take, I think. <laughs> Dan, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, at least because we've robbed the goal, it just gave us that little bit more hope and something to cling on to. 
But yeah, I thought I, I think Matt was spot on with the defensive. The way we defended, certainly second half when they, because first half I think they got sucked into that because the wind, where the wind was barreling down, and they were trying to put lots of balls in the box. But uh, Omar and Ben just gobbled everything up, and and there was lads there to help with the seconds and just clear our lines. Um, and second half we just I thought we defended really well, just sat in, frustrated them. Um, as Matt said in his interview, they don't despite the fact they're a nice side and they like to pass the ball, they don't like having the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that kind of frustrated them a little bit. And I was fairly confident that the, up until the goal went in, thought we might actually get, you know, we might cling on here and at least at least get something from the game. But yeah, they, they get the turnaround that quick. So okay, well, well, we'll move on from it. Um, just a little last bit on on the match. Um, Instead of doing play of the day now, I'm doing a moment at the match because there's always going to be some moment that you can cling to to go, yeah, that that was good. Um, whether it is the upgrade on the on the journey home or whatever. Um, but Johnny, do, do you have a moment of the match yesterday, or what was your moment of the match? Not do you have? I mean, the goal is the obvious one, isn't it? It was the, <laughs> the kind of shocked celebration in the stand of, oh, we've actually, like, oh, probably the first chance we had after we went down to 10 men. So, yeah, you'd, you'd have to say the goal was like, the kind of the high point um, of the day. I think, Dan, are you saying that's, did you say that's our first goal at, Bar- at Barrow? Uh, no, it's the first one I've seen. To oh, the first you've seen. Yeah, because <laughs> okay. I, I didn't get to do the two midweekers and we scored in both of those. Right. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. I've seen the score at Barrow in 30 something years. <laughs> Marvelous. And it'll be the last, and I can promise you it'll be the last one. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Johnny may have just stolen yours, but what was your moment of the match? Uh, uh, trying to think. There wasn't much else to choose, really, because it was just so back to the wall. Um. You could have I suppose us. Hmm? Oh yeah, we, our, our free upgrade in first class, I think, on the train will have to suffice. That's fine. Um, yeah, we, there was no way we were kicking six picks that Rangers fans out of our double book seats. So discretion was the better part of that there, and we retreated to first class. Surely you get a refund because they double booked your seats, so you get first class and a refund. Um, I don't know. I'll have to talk to the travel secretary. <laughs> well, obviously I wasn't there. I was only watching the highlights. Um, but there was a little moment about 10 minutes before they scored. The ball kind of went up to Amari and he he beat a player twice. He held off another challenge and put someone on their ass. And then only mm. a very poor touch stopped him from getting a decent shot away. He still got a shot away and a shot on target. Mm. Um, but I was like, Years gone by, we wouldn't have done that. We just lumped it forward and said, right, have it for a little minute and uh, um, so on. So I like Damari's little uh, trying to waste a bit of time by beating players and actually doing something with the ball rather than just lumping it forward. So that's my one. Um, the various questions that came in was the red card and karma. Was it late goals, more of the same? Um, and one question which leads us into the, the, the next section is how do we bounce back? Um, but we'll come on to that in a second because um, we're going to talk about the visit um, of Gillingham, not to Gillingham. I've written to Gillingham, <laughs> from Gillingham, um, and we're joining joined by Adam. Hello, Adam. How are you? Good afternoon, lads. Thanks for having me on. Really good, thank you. More than welcome. It's a very different response to the last time I needed a Gillingham fan, which I put out a message 
um, last season and didn't get any responses. This time I had about five or six people going, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, <laughs> oh, you're all up. You all want to know now, didn't you? <laughs> So, how, how's it feeling at the moment being a Gillingham fan? It is, it, it, well, it's just so exciting and it's really hard to keep a lid on the optimism. I can imagine last year when you put out for a Gillingham fan, you would have you'd have struggled to find someone who wasn't, you know, six points in after the latest performance. But, you know, I went to the game at home to Sun last year and we had the entire row to ourselves in the rain and just me and the little one and yesterday the rain men's completely sold out and it's there's just so much optimism since the takeover and it's kind of trying really hard not to look and think we're just going to win the league by march but the more i see the more excited i get and it's really kind of we're selling out away games and we're everyone is just so excited and it's it's just a wonderful club to be a part of at the moment the new owners have really bought into the community and, you know, I went to the game yesterday and we're walking up an hour before kickoff, walking into the ground. Everyone's talking to each other, whereas this time last year, it was sort of like we're all just marching in for another 90 minutes of punishment and then we'll go home and pretend it didn't happen. But Yeah, well, we were very generous to you last year. We gave you something like 40% of your goals um, are coming up to Christmas, I think it was. Yeah. Um, the two games you mentioned against us, um, they weren't classics, I don't think. And I think you guys robbed robbed a win at home and we robbed a win at our place and as Matt quite rightly pointed out he said the two games should have been a draw but we're both actually one point better off so we'll take it um but um before I get into that, the specifics um someone told me something about yourself and there's little pictures behind so I'm going to get you to do your little subtle plug now um you're you're very into your, your French horse racing yeah I, I was a financial advisor for nearly 20 years and then after various things happened in my life I said to the missus one day I don't want to do this anymore. I, just, I need to do something different. And I'm very lucky that Lauren just said, we'll quit then. So I quit my job. And then she said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I said, I've always, I really like horse racing. I've always been into racing. I kind of did it part time in the background in my evenings and spare time. And she said, well, go on in. I've got your back. Give it a go and see how you get on. And that was nearly five years ago now. So I work as an independent analyst for French, Spanish, and a little bit of racing in Hong Kong. Um, mainly just providing information to owners and bloodstock agents to look at buying young horses and what they might do in the future. I'll try my hands at anything. If anyone's out there looking to buy a French racehorse and they don't know where to come, <laughs> find me on Twitter at GG Banker or on my website, and I'm sure I can point you in the right direction. But as I said to Mike when we came just off air, you know, the horse racing is the day job and then football takes over at the weekends and on a Tuesday night. So. You saw both Dan and I shudder when he, he said, she said, well, go on then, quit. Because it's like, no, that's, that's a dare, that's a trap, that's a trap. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's I sort of, uh, I like, okay, I will. Yeah, you're right, I will. And then when I said I wanted to do horse racing, she went, okay. Yeah, I, I, did not... like the, I did like the, yeah, go on then, quit. And then it was, so what are you going to do, is the follow-up question. <laughs> yeah, there was that moment when I sat down having handed in my resignation of like, okay, um, well, what are we going to do on Monday morning when we leave? <laughs> Well, tell us a little bit about um, yourself and how long you've been supporting Gillingham and what, what kind of got you started supporting them. Well, what, I know exactly when I got started, really. I went to, I mean, when I was very young, I had I was very lucky. My dad was a, a very big Chelsea fan. Um, my godmother was an Arsenal fan, so I used to tag along with them. But in about, 90, I think in 95 it was, my uncle Gavin, who's a big, still is a big Gillingham fan, said to me one day, it's about time you came and saw some proper football. And we went to a game 
in the old Division Three, as it would have been then, against Hereford United, who were languishing, I think, in the conference itself, maybe even lower these days. And we we drew one one against Hereford, and this was a time where Jimmy Maxey won promotion that season, and Steve Castle scored a thirty yard screamer to equalise for the Jills. And from that moment on, I just thought, yeah, this will do me. This is kind of this is what I think football should be about, and I kind of from a young age I was kind of the one that would be looking at Division Three and Division Four and all of the kind of lower level scores, and everyone else is kind of supporting Man United, but. It's been there. And then from the moment I started working full time, it really went from going to three or four games a season with family to as many games as possible. Um, unfortunately, work kind of prevents me being a season to go older. When you work in horse racing, sometimes you can't turn around and say, I'm not, I'm busy Saturday. But, <laughs> you know, we go to as many games as possible. And it's just something that kind of, I guess, I guess what I liked about it really was it was my thing. From the age of 18, that was just, I worked full time. And then the minute I finished work, it was every Saturday was, I'd either be at Priestfield or I'd be all over the the shop really. And then kind of going to every game started in the last season that we were in the championship, which feels like a very long time ago now. But I've, I think I'm up to 61 of the current 92 football league rounds. Oh, okay. So, but it's really just been, a kind of journey and I'm now at the stage that my oldest daughter's not really injured but the youngest one is 12 and she's gone from occasionally turning up because she thinks she'll get a hot dog out of it to now it's kind of like are we going next week have you got <laughs> my ticket down I'm like, yeah I've got your ticket don't worry <laughs> so. all the time cursing her going to this costing you money <laughs> no girls aren't allowed football go away <laughs> um so do you do you have any like traditions or superstitions or weird habits that you have to do at football? I, I have a few habits. Um, I, I guess I, I went for a spa. There was a stay, a little shop. If you go to Gillingham, I'm not sure you've ever been, where I park in, in Railway Street, cross over like the railway crossing. And just there is a little corner shop. And I had a stage for about 10 years of thinking, I've got to go in this corner shop and buy a can of Coke or Mars bar or something. If I don't go in that shop, we won't win. It made no sense whatsoever. And then you find that then I found the shop was shut for a couple of weeks, made no difference. But I'd have that, but I'd also kind of for me, I don't like going to football on my own. I will go, but I'll always I'll be ringing around someone. Someone's got to come with me. I've got to have someone with me to talk about the game. And that is one of the things of like getting my little one into it. The missus comes with me, and it's kind of like on, on the way when they're talking about other things. I'm like, no, what you don't know. We're gonna talk about what formation we're in. How are we gonna line up? And we have a kind of a tradition. My, my brother is a, a diehard Wolverhampton Wanderers fan. So we have a kind of Saturday morning phone call where, we, you know, we spent most of the last two years discussing how many each of our teams is going to concede. But we have that kind of morning chat. And it's kind of my, I'm married to a New Yorker and she is suddenly the last year has been all about, aren't Wrexham wonderful? And oh, isn't Ryan Reynolds amazing? And it's uh, right, yeah. be quiet. But it's also that kind of, that's really amazing now that before I'd say to people in America or people in France, I support Gillingham. Who's Gillingham? No one knows them. But now we're owned by the Gallinsons who are from Florida and Wrexham are in our division. There's suddenly there's a lot more interest. But it is, Gillingham fans are notoriously pessimistic. And what was noticeable yesterday was a lot of people sort of smiling, but they don't really want to smile because it might all be taken away from us. But it's kind of... 
we're, yeah. we're, we're in that, that bubble at the moment that's, that just doesn't feel like it's going to burst, but no one can quite believe it's happening. Well, another question I've got, which I don't think is going to be right, is is there's one thing you could change about your club? What would it be? But probably not a lot at the moment. Well, what would I change about my club? Well, I'm sure they're working on it, but if we could sort out a temporary stand at the town end, that'd be wonderful because that's been up since 2003 and it's sort of, you know, it's a little bit, it's kind of, you always see those kind of football away day posts on Twitter and it's like, where's the worst away end? And it's nearly always a picture of our town end. But what would I change about? I just, I'd like to think that the fans could just be a bit more optimistic. We're all looking at each other kind of like, we really want to get excited, but. You also have this kind of feeling of like, is it going to go wrong? But I don't. I wouldn't. I, I since the owners have come in at the turn of year, it's just it's a different club. It's completely different. I couldn't really complain about anything. Yeah, I get, I get that quite a lot. I follow both Matt and um, Me Seven podcast, and I, I just get that whole feeling of, oh, this is this is new. This is exciting. It did um, when they did the interviews with Neil Harris. It did kind of make me think, oh God, I, I really should realise how lucky I am because. Um, I, I I kind of can get an interview. Um, I do at least well, he's done at least one a year ever since I started. Um, and I didn't realise that didn't happen at other clubs. So um, I should recount my blessings. Um, last little bit on this is if you could pick up one player from your club's history and put him in the team now, who who would you choose? Um, the one player I would put in the team now would be Nicky Southall. He was actually on the he was on the pitch yesterday. It was sort of a legends thing where a club legend comes back before each game and gets introduced to the crowd. And trying to explain to my twelve year old is kind of like a long time before you were born. This man had the best right foot in the football league, and just the one thing I was talking about Trigger Southall was no matter how poor the team were playing or how much we were struggling, he had the ability to pick out a cross or a pass that would just open a team up. And he's remembered probably most for the the FA Cup goal he scored against Sheffield Wednesday to knock them out in the fifth round. But actually, I remember when we were struggling for relegation from League One, probably around 2009, we were playing Luton, who were on their way down at the time. And it was kind of a winner takes all, really. The, the loser would, get, would be condemned to relegation. And he picked out a cross to Simeon Jackson in the 86th minute that was just, he didn't even look, he just it got laid back to him and it was just on a plate two yards out and that goal went in. We still got relegated that season, but it was still, I just remember being in that game thinking there is no one else in this team who would even have thought of playing that ball. And sometimes, even now, I think he would fit into this side perfectly because he had the ability to play the ball into space or just to put it on the striker's head that no one else could do. Beautiful. Right. A little bit of a different question. Modern day, how can Sutton win this game? Your job is now to tell Sutton what what we need to do to win this game. You need to find a way through the defence. We are rock solid, absolutely rock solid. This is going to backfire. Just realise I've said that. We'll concede three <laughs> in ten minutes, and I'll have all these Jills fans hurling abuse at me on Twitter. But I went to the game yesterday, and we've signed Shadoji from from Leighton Orient, who is just a brick wall of a defender. There is no getting past him. Max Aim is obviously very experienced. He's played a lot of this level. We've also got Connor Marston in there. And what's really been the key since January is we've just become so solid at the back. If I was Sutton United's manager, how would I try? I think, I don't think there's any point in playing 
the long ball because I just think our central, our, our defensive unit is so well set up and we've got cover in every position that it isn't, it isn't there. But I was looking at some of the stats and one thing Gillingham have got to get used to is we've spent most of the last two years without the ball for various reasons, mostly because we were terrible, but also you know, in the last six months, it took teams a while to realise that we were a new team. And the games we played so far, we went away to Stockport. We got a 1-0 win with an 85th minute winner. But we, you know, quite rightly respected Stockport for what they've done last season. They had a lot of the ball. We played Southampton in the EFL Cup, although they made a lot of changes. They had a lot of the ball. And yesterday we played Accrington, who were quite a possession-based team. They like to play it out from the back. And that really suits us. We want teams to come on to us so we can exploit the spaces and run the channels. So this is something Gillingham we've got to really adjust to is... You guys, I think, had 30% possession against Notts County. 23% possession yesterday, but I assume the red card probably had a lot to do with that. But it's how how will Gillingham adjust when a team sit back and say, come on then, what have you got? And I think the way to possibly exploit that would be that Gillingham aren't used to having large amounts of the ball. We're used to being a team that counters, that plays long ball sometimes, has focal points up front and that tries to run the channels. So the way that Sutton can probably exploit that is to give Gillingham space because then it's a case of we're going to have to do something that we're not really used to doing. And the, the, in yesterday's game, we were by far the better team and we should have been more clinical. We really should have put them out of sight. We never looked like conceding, but at the same time, there were times in the game when I looked and thought we're kind of, we're looking for options because Accrington have got two banks of four in front of us and we don't really know how to exploit that. And the times that Accrington did look dangerous is when we lost the ball. There was that kind of sudden, we're not used to teams counter-attacking. We're used to teams being camped on the halfway line looking to pick us apart. So. Okay. Well, Darren, um, you and I had a theory last season that as soon as we went over 50% position, we lost the game. Um, so how does that sound to you? How does something need to do to win the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like it's going to be a classic on Tuesday. <laughs> Two teams staring at each other by the sounds of it. No, you have it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, no, Neil, having seen a few things of Neil Harris, and also from what they did from, what Jills did from January onwards, where they stopped the goals going in. I mean, that's that's half your job. If, you, if you're not conceding, if you can nick, start nicking stuff at the other end, then, you know, things change really quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting game, actually. If neither side really likes to spend time on the ball i think it's going to be either pretty dull or it's going to be pretty frantic with each of us robbing the other somewhere in so somewhere on the park and breaking quick so um i think if we can get someone hopefully we'll have a strong front two on get the wingers in play and see if we can get in behind and you know we've started well by yesterday so yeah. hopefully hopefully It'd be a good test, actually. Johnny, what do you think we need to do to win the game and to bounce back, if you like, from the, yesterday? Yeah, I think we've got players that can hurt Jilling on the counter. Um, certainly if, if Josh Cody is still fit, his pace. And Mari Patrick, I mean, the, the chance he created against Barrow just goes to show. I mean, that's completely out of nothing. Um, I'd like to see Scott Cash get back. Um, his pace, I think he's got something to prove. Um, against Chillingham because never never really got a run in the team there from what I've heard after the, um, the, the kind of first half of the season injury hit the, the team struggling and then you know, they, they bring the players in, in in January and then 
he's, he's not really got a look in anymore. So he's got something to prove. Um, we will have to adapt without Harry Smith because um, the, I guess the long ball, um, if we were going to do it, um, it helps having a six, a six striker that wins a lot of headers. Um, Leon goal will win a fair bit, but nowhere near the same level. So you've got to play to his chance a little bit more, give it to feet. Um, Mal obviously does research. Um, he'll be kind of a, aware of the, the tactical nuances of it and hopefully yeah we come out on top of the it, like you say Dan, it, I'm sure it'll be a, a kind of weird weird battle there aren't many games where I look at the stats and we've had more uh, of the ball than the other team <laughs> so if Gillingham do play that way as well I mean, any, anyone's guess as to what might happen but um, I, I think we like in theory we've got pace um, we can be direct if we, if we need to cut out the mistakes defensively because um, the you look at the, the two goals against Barrow and the two goals against Cambridge as well have all really been mistakes mm. um, otherwise we've been pretty solid um, so if we can cut those mistakes out yeah and, and then nick something like hopefully yeah if it's a 1-0 either way it'll, it'll be in our favour I mean it might be a bit early for this kind of question but what are the season implications for Gillingham if, if something do win the game? Uh, something won't win the game so I'm not really worried but <laughs> I, I don't think they I, I think, you know, the bubble is going to burst at some point. But at the same time, I just think there's so much depth to our squad that, whereas in the past, I might have looked and thought, you know, we had this kind of habit of if we lost one, we could quite easily lose on a Tuesday and a Saturday with no real explanation for the sudden dip in form. Whereas now, if we were to suffer a setback, I don't think it would matter. And I think we're also in a position that we've got so much depth to our squad. We've got four players who could easily play up front the midfield we've got 10 players all of which can drop in and out we made several changes between the league cup and back and it didn't make too much of a difference i think the fan base is much more understanding in the current climate whereas a year ago under paul scally with probably no disrespect to the players that were there at the time but probably the worst squad that we've ever had in the football league the through budgetary issues more than anything else but I, I just, I, I think from a season point of view, I started off thinking, oh, I'll be, I'll be happy with top half. I would, honestly, we'd be all right with top half. And then you think, well, really, we should be in the playoffs. And then the more I look at it, now I start to think, we're going to win the league. I just think we are. I can't, I can't hide it anymore. I, I went to the game yesterday and at no point did I ever think Accrington Stanley were going to score. Whereas before, I'd have thought 1-0. 20 minutes to play, we'd have gone five at the back, four in front and tried to hold on. We were the, we were the only team really that looked like scoring. Um, we took a little while to settle, but once we did, we were in control. We have the likes of Johnny Williams and things who've got vast experience. Sean Williams is another player who's played at a much higher level. We brought in Scott Malone from Millwall. You know, these, these are players who've been there and done it. And I think now we're kind of, we're not bulletproof. We're going to lose games this season, but I, I don't foresee us kind of it won't be the end of the world if we do get beat tomorrow night or if we put in a poor performance. What I wouldn't expect is if we did play badly tomorrow and lose to Sutton, I don't think we'll then lose the next three. I think we do have the kind of the fortitude now to bounce back, which we really saw towards the end of last season that we did get turned over. I remember we lost we lost 2 0 at home to Bradford, who were miles the better team, but we came straight back from that. And that's really the difference now is that we have got this kind of there's a vast experience but there's also a lot of young lads in in amongst it and there's just a kind of togetherness that 
I'm sure Neil Harris has the occasional rant, but I don't think he has back-to-back rants. And I think now it's sort of, if we lost one, that'll be okay. We'll just go again on Saturday and we'll put it right. Fair enough. Um, I did like the way you, you kept the lid on it for about 17 minutes where you said, I'm, I'm not going to say we're winning the league and then we're going to win the league. <laughs> well, I just it's funny because I work in racing. Everyone thinks, oh, you like betting all the time. And I really don't. But someone said to me the other day, I said, oh, Gillingham are still like 10 to 1 to win the league. And it's kind of, in betting terms, it's everyone just assumes that Wrexham are going to win the league and win every game. And, yeah. you know, now I'm starting to look now and think, I was a betting man and I could bring myself to punt on my own team. I'd, I'd probably have taken a bit of that yeah, tent. Absolutely. I mean, I did hear a Wrexham fan on one of the spaces the other day say, if anyone wants to make money this season, bet against Wrexham because we're stupid odds on every single game we're playing because everyone's betting on us to win. Um, but, Johnny, I mean, is it too early for implications on the season or are, are we going to bounce back? Does it matter if we draw or lose this game? Um, I mean, it is pretty too early to to look too much into it. Um, we have like a, or looking from the start of the season, it's a tough run of games. Notts County, one of the title favourites. Barrow, always a tough place to go. We'll probably do, probably do quite well top half. Gillingham, probably one of the title favourites. I think it's fair to say. But, but then you look at the league and think, um, you could say like they've got a good chance of going up for, for at least half of it. So even then, you, you don't want to look into it too much. If, like, I mean, the, the first season we had in League Two, we lost. Well, we, we didn't win a game and for quite a while, and ended up nearly getting into playoffs. So it's not panic stations if we lose. It's um, nothing like that. It'd be nice to bounce back. We we don't tend to lose two in a row too often, um, other than the, the back end of last season, we kind of fell away and had nothing to play for. So I'm I'm fairly confident. Um, take a draw as long as we don't lose to Wimbledon <laughs> pretty happy to be honest keep up our, uh, our dominance against them um, but yeah certainly certainly not a time to panic if things don't go away like we know Gillingham will, will do well we'll be up at the top end of the season uh, top end of the league at the end of the season so I think yeah, yeah, yeah nothing to worry about cool. Dan I saw you nodding along as well same kind of yeah, thing it's, early. It, it's too early for there to be sort of fatal defeats I think you, 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 it's 46 games you've got tons of time to even if you do have a bad performance there's a lot or a, you, you you get beat you've got tons of time to put it right um, and get things and correct stuff so I don't think it's it, either side losing would be particularly disappointed well you would be disappointed but I don't think anyone will be panicking you know you know rushing out trying to think oh we're definitely short in a certain area of the pitch I think so so yeah it's um it, it, it'll just be good to test again against another side who's expected to be up the top end. Um, I think on the Stockport thing I did, I predicted that they'd be in the top three. So just going by the way they finished last season and how they recruited over the summer. So fully expect them to be a tough test on Tuesday. And yeah, I mean, if we can give a good performance, even if we do get beat, if there's a good performance um, and we're a bit unlucky or don't take chances, then at least you've got something, you know, for Matt, Matt's got something to build on going into going into the Wimbledon game. Yeah, I mean, what I've what I've liked about um, obviously seeing it from afar, what Gillingham is, the guys that come in aren't doing the whole we're chucking loads of money at players. Um, they're buying, buying players, but they seem to be doing a lot of stuff off the field as well. And Neil's getting the, the coaches he wants, the backroom staff he wants as well, which is obviously what, what we have with Matt um, building up here. Um, right, so what we're going to do is... Um, little just a bit you've got a uh, 30 seconds you've been invited into the changing room to speak to the players just before they go out i want to know adam what you're going to say to your players 
and a score prediction for Tuesday night. All I'm going to say to the players is just get get the ball down, get the ball into the box. Make sure you're making those runs in the channels like you were on Saturday, but make sure we're more clinical. Eventually, we are going to come unstuck if we don't start taking our chances. But we know that we've got so much ability in this side that we are going to create seven or eight clear-cut chances tonight. Let's make sure we take two or three of them. A score prediction. I'm sorry, fellas, but I'm going to go nil three. Nil three? Oh, that's okay, perfect. Johnny, what's your quick-fire message to the players and the score prediction? I think it's a, a good chance for us to prove ourselves playing against a good side. So be competitive, as we always are. Win the battles, unsettle Gillingham. They'll probably be thinking... Like, they want to be winning this game if they're going to be pushing towards the top of the league. I think Sutton, we're still an unfancied side. Um, the defeat against Barrow will probably add to that, even though we've beaten Notts County. Uh, we've got a point to prove. Scott Kashkett, um, he'll be scoring our goal. Uh, I'll, I'll go for a 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw, perfect. And you have heard the Scotty Kashkett song, yeah? I, I don't think I, I have. I did tweet it out. Uh, I'm not going to sing it because we discovered even with auto tune, I can't sing. <laughs> so, um, Dan, what's your what's your quick message and score prediction? Um, I guess I'm just going to point to Matt Gray and go what he said. I'm I mean I'm not a football coach. They're not going to listen to me anyway. So Matt's, Matt Matt gets paid to do that. So I'm going to leave that to him. <laughs> okay, and your score prediction? Um, I'll be positive. The, the nickel one nil. I think the nickel one nil. Okay, I went 2-1 and I've, I'm going to say another last-minute goal. Um, probably Eastman to upset them even more. Um, <laughs> but thank you very much, gents. Um, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, we um, appreciate, obviously, your, your time and your... Uh, if, if, uh, if, what's the word I'm looking for? Your input. That's the word I was looking for. Um, thank you so much. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening and your ear attention. Um, please um, like, follow the podcast and um, like, follow obviously Lucky Star Gym who sponsored the podcast um, next time we are joined by Steve and Will who's kind of double agent with Will Lawless he's, 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 he's going to talk about Sutton and Wimbledon as well um, thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to Lucky Star Gym as I said hope you've really enjoyed this episode thanks Dan, Johnny and Adam and take care, we'll see you soon bye bye Sports Social Podcast Network.